want to go live on video but are a bit unsure where to start? Or maybe you already go live a lot but you are scared to sell. Download for free the Live Authentic Storytelling Guide. Six steps to infuse storytelling into your live videos. You'll get practical structure to help you convert your audience from raving fans to loyal customers. Go to www.livestorytellingguide.com and get your free guide today. On today's episode, friends, I have with me Sarah M. Chappelle. She is a holistic business coach, tarot mentor, the founder of the Holistic Business Academy, and my friend. We'll talk about the history of tarot, how tarot is a spiritual tool you can use in your business, and how being a witch resides in creating change. This is the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Demas. Let's go. Sarah, welcome to the show. Nick, thank you so much for having me. Happy dance. I am so excited to have you here for so many reasons, one of which is that, well, A, you know that I just adore you. Oh, it's so mutual. That's just plain and simple. But second, because we're going to talk about something today that you introduced me to a bit. I mean, I already had heard of it, right? But you actually taught me. And so I want to really talk about tarot. Yeah. Especially tarot for business. But let's back up before we go to tarot for business. Like, roll the train backwards. (laughs) (laughs) And just, what is tarot? Yeah, so tarot is a deck of playing cards. About Traditionally, it's 78 cards. And let's start at the very beginning. To the best of our accurate historical knowledge, tarot comes out of a gambling game in Italy in the 1300s. So, no, fun, right? (laughs) No, I'd, I'd never heard that. I mean, there are a lot of far more, like, romantic versions of where tarot comes, but this is the, like, here's what we can verify version. Okay, okay. But with gambling, people, of course, were betting, and it kind of over time took on this fortune-telling thing. People have been telling fortunes with everything probably, like, since forever, right? You're like, we have traditions of that in every culture, tea leaves, throwing sticks, doesn't matter what it is. So tarot over time came to be used for fortune telling. And as we use it today, was really recreated in the um, late 1800s, early 1900s, and became a tool for, yes, divination or fortune telling, but increasingly a tool for essentially like psychological self-coaching. It is this deck of cards that have, depending on what deck you're using, these beautiful images with tons of symbols and and deeper meanings kind of baked into them, things that come from a variety of cultures and backgrounds that help to tell a story of maybe what has happened, what is happening now, and what might happen in the future. And in this deck of cards, we can use it a lot of different ways, but really it's a way for us to, at the very least, have a conversation with ourselves where we can externalize things that um, maybe we're working on or, or, or trying to figure out and have the ability to actually assess them and work with them to, I would venture, change the future by actively creating it. You could also tell people you're telling their fortunes. And if you're a psychic type, maybe you are. <laughs> well, okay. So there's a lot that I want to talk about here. First, how did you come to tarot? Like, how did you find it in your life? So and I know, I'm sure you have a listener like this. So I'm speaking right to you, listener. I was that weird kid who was hanging out at Borders in the, like, New Age section. Like, I would go and sneak away from my parents 
Is that, is that you? Yeah, you're not talking to the lister. You're talking directly to me. Only it was yes. Walden, it was Walden Books at the Cherryland Mall. <laughs> I would like bribe my parents to take me to the mall. I'm from New Jersey, so we had a lot of different malls to choose from. And then I'd like sneak off to the New Age section because I totally wasn't supposed to be there. And I actually found when I was at my parents' house six months ago, pre-COVID time, so longer than that, I don't know, last time I was at my parents' house, I actually found like a baby's first tarot book that I had somehow gotten someone to buy me when I was probably like 12 or 13 years old. So I was always like kind of like a weird witchy kid. I read a lot of fantasy books and I was like, these should totally be real. As an adult now, I, I do identify as a witch and that has to do with the fact that I am psychic and do have a lot of experiences and I'm a spirit worker. But as a kid, I didn't really understand what was going on. I was just like, well, I want to make magic and be like the girls in the craft. So I did start getting into tarot when I was younger, but it really came back to me in my late 20s when I got sober. So I spent about a decade um, struggling with alcohol addiction. And when I got sober, I found, first of all, that my intuition came rushing back. It was like I'd been suppressing my entire nervous system and also all of my intuition and my entire spiritual self. And I didn't have a language for understanding it. And I happened to live in Brooklyn at the time at the moment when tarot was like becoming like the big cool thing again. So I took a couple classes and I was like, oh, here's a language. Here's a way for me to actually start to comprehend what I'm experiencing. And like step one, I feel like I'm not alone, right? Here it is baked into these cards, this story of, of what it is to be human and different levels of like human experience and how we move through things and our challenges and joys and foibles and all of that right here. And then two, a way for me to really channel that intuitive energy when I had no idea what to do and just was like, well, I need to not drink. So we need to find something else to do with all of this, like this fire. And tarot was it. <laughs> it's a tool is what you're saying. Ultimately, yes. a tool for your intuition to help guide you. Is that, am I, am I, am I hearing you correctly? Yeah. Definitely. I like to refer to tarot as a tool because in the way that I view the world personally, um, an object like tarot does not inherently have power. The power that it has comes from the relationship that we build with it. I'm a very relational kind of person in my, in my witchcraft practice, in my spiritual practice. So tarot is a tool. And that means we get to use it in different ways. I kind of was joking earlier, but yes, therapy, you can definitely use tarot for divination. And I do, you can also use it to kind of clarify and hone your intuition and you can use it as a purely psychological tool. There's a lot of people, especially folks who love like Jungian archetypes who are like really into using tarot specifically in that way. So ultimately it's something that humans created and we can work with it as we want to. So how do you develop this relationship with the cards that you're mentioning? You said it's a relationship. Yeah, when I think about like really anything magical in general, we have kind of three pieces to any magical experience. There are there's the you, right? Hi, I'm Sarah. This is me in this experience. There's the thing we're working with, in this case it's tarot, right? This tool. And then there's the relationship between us. And we can think of that relationship almost as a third spirit that we're developing. It's something that didn't exist before we came together. And now we are through interaction, through relating, developing something, developing a story, developing a shared history, even if way as we are speaking about a seemingly inanimate object. And really we develop that relationship through what I I'll venture is conversation. Right? How do you develop a relationship with anyone? You talk to them, right? You spend time with them. You ask them, how are you doing today? You touch in with them. One of the things in craft that we do a lot is literally just tapping things to wake them up, right? It's kind of like, like giving attention as a way of feeding relationship. So the first step to build your relationship with tarot is to get a tarot deck and to, to use it. 
You have to actually do the thing. <laughs> <laughs> you mean sitting on the shelf? It's not going to, it's not going to, I'm not going to have a relationship with it. <laughs> is that how it works with your, your like cool meditation cushion? If it sits over there on the shelf, it just, it, it meditates for you, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, I'm sitting on my, I'm sitting on mine right now as we're having this conversation. You're building even a deeper relationship. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I buy the I buy the the deck which I have a deck thanks to you and I begin working with the cards which I have thanks to you and I begin then to create spreads and have this conversation with them and begin to learn to trust my intuition is what you're saying. Yeah, it's that last bit that I think people really struggle with. <laughs> What's your experience been? I mean, you obviously have a lot of practices and tools that really are intuition developers. How has that been kind of mapping it onto tarot? You know, mapping it onto tarot has has brought um, an interesting clarity for me in the sense that, oh, I do trust my intuition. Oh, I do have this connection. And this is like a roadmap. This is like a extra piece of information that helps me connect. That's, I think, the best way for me that I can describe it. I love that metaphor. I think of tarot as a map a lot, not just because it's a visual construct, which relates to, you know, how we, we, we look at maps. It also reminds me of the uh, linguistic axiom, you know, the map is not the territory, right? It's not the same as actually doing the thing. We still have to experience and do it and, like, drive the car <laughs> in, our, in our map metaphor. But I love that you're having that realization of, of the deepening level of trust. It's really helping me with, with my mediumship. In learning to really fully trust what's coming to me. And I didn't expect that. That's not what I expected when I went to play with, because it felt like play to me, to play with the cards. I was going in just being like, I'm going to have a good time, and I'm just going to see where this goes. Like a kid, like the kid, like the 13-year-old, the curious kid. But what I didn't expect was that it would actually help me as a medium. Yeah, I love that. And I think that was very much the experience I had in my late 20s where I was like, oh, my gosh. For me, I, I, I'm i like, I'm hearing things. I'm feeling things. I'm like, what is happening? Am I losing it? And tarot can be a really grounding force to build up trust in those experiences like mediumship, like psychic abilities, because we have almost this, like, external confirmation, okay. right, or this way to externalize that experience and kind of assess it. And it's not necessarily in a more logical way because I'm with you. I think tarot has a really beautiful element of play yeah. and, and I mean, again, playing cards, right? We have that kind of culturally baked in that this is playful, but it gives us this way of creating some structure for those experiences, experiences that can be very unstructured, especially when we're in our kind of inter beginning and intermediate stages, mm. I think. That makes a lot of sense. That really does. And, and for me, it feels like one more tool for my box. You know, I, I have all of these tools, right? But that's, this one wasn't one of them. And so now I can add this and use this with the client in a way that I hadn't before, because right? I've never had it before. It's great with clients too, because I don't know what your experience is. I have great clients. So if you're listening, this isn't about any of you individually, but <laughs> sometimes, well, and I've been on the other end of this as a client, sometimes it's hard to hear things, yeah. right? Or it's hard to go there. or It's hard to have that conversation. It's hard to really receive the messages that are coming through. And something like tarot, again, this tangible ability where you can kind of hold up a card and be like, no, see, <laughs> like, here you go. You don't, you won't listen to me, but will you listen to this piece of paper? And people will. Our brains really process things differently when they're external to us. That's why, you know, 
they just say that we learn so much better by like handwriting things out. It's like that physical process of experiencing and having something tangible makes it a lot easier for us and for clients to really be like, oh, okay, like maybe I can receive this. Maybe I can believe this. I love that it's becoming a tool in your kit. That's so great. Yeah, because it's like almost like at this visceral level, right? Rather than the intellectual level, it like it, you bring it into your body almost. It becomes It becomes more of you, like writing, like you were saying. Yeah, I mean, because we're kind of bypassing, not bypassing, but yeah, we're getting out of that logical part of our mind Mm -hmm. by externalizing it. And especially if we are looking at the images, there can be an extremely visceral response, Mm -hmm. right, to the art or or to whatever. So I think it's so powerful. So that's how you use it in your business, yeah, is with clients? Yeah. And how do you suggest other people use it in their business? Well, I use tarot in my business all the time. I use it with clients, but I use it behind the scenes even more. Because if tarot is a map, let's keep going with that metaphor. It's a good one. It's a good one. I love it. I'm going to guess, Nick, do you map things out in your business? I'm going to map out a launch. Oh, gee, you think? Maybe? Map map out a marketing (laughs) plan? I might. Yeah, I sure do. Map out the sales page. All of these places, almost anywhere where we like create an outline for something or we're planning or we're setting goals or we're essentially trying to get something out of the idea stage and into the creation mode tarot can help. So I use tarot behind the scenes and I recommend this as a great place to start, especially those of you who are maybe like, I'm not ready to use it with my clients or this doesn't fit into that part of my work. Is I use tarot for planning and goal setting. I use it to help me with all of my marketing. And maybe the most fun is that I use it to help me get into the right mindset for sales and launches. Ooh, tell me more. Yeah. So tell me more, tell me more. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Total well, Greece reference. <laughs> Also, like totally that same time period. I'm like obsessed with Greece and hanging out in the new age section of the bookstore. Ah. Oh my God. We should have been friends back then. Cause uh, yeah. <laughs> I know. I was like musical theater and new age. I was super popular. Um, <laughs> we're geeks together. <laughs> it's all right. Now, now the geeks are online business owners. So if we're using tarot as a map, one of the really cool things it can do is start to show us places where maybe we are getting in our own way and places where we might want to create a change in ourselves. And this is one of the ways I really like to use tarot is in this kind of self-referential way where we're kind of asking questions about things that are within our control, places where we have personal agency. I'd actually venture that's one of the most powerful ways to use it because fortune telling, right, just kind of is like blah, like what's going to happen? That energy is kind of putting it out there that you have no control over your own life. And that's a whole cosmology discussion that I don't know if we have time for today. Like, what do you believe is true about the world? I personally, though, find it more useful to adopt the belief that I can create change, right? That there is some intersection between what we might call fate or things outside of our control and free will or the things inside our control. And tarot works really powerfully to help us discern the difference between those and really hone in on where we can evolve, change, self-motivate, try something differently. So for example, heading into a launch, something I might do is essentially like an energy check. I don't know about you, Nick, but sometimes as my, look, I'm going to, I love launching. I love it. I think it is so much fun. And sometimes even though I've been doing it for years, I still get exhausted or scared or nervous or, you know, it's, it's like putting on a show, right? It's like opening night and you're like, oh my gosh, I really hope people came, you know, (laughs) it reminds me so much of like opening night at a play, right? I hope the the reviews are good. (laughs) Exactly. It's, it's such a similar experience and I'm a former theater kid. So I know we both have that kind of shared experience. It's like, well, we'll, we'll see what happens. Right. But just like you do before a play, we have to kind of psych ourselves up. 
So one of the ways that I'll use tarot is as kind of a check-in. First of all, it's just like, who am I being right now? Or what energy am I currently in heading into this launch or this experience? And that's really helpful because I find that if we actually acknowledge the present experience that we have before trying to change it, it's a lot sweeter to our minds, right? Like in meditation, you're not going to pretend you're not having a thought. You're not mad at yourself for having a thought. We're like, okay, cool. And then try to let it go, right? And we can do the same thing with tarot where we can be like, okay, cool. Like, let's just witness our present experience. So if I'm like kind of really nervous before a launch and something happens to me a lot is I kind of want to go and hide it. I want to go hide in the closet. I mean, really? <laughs> we're, in, we're in the closet today. <laughs> it is literally in a closet today. I am literally in the closet today. I don't actually have a closet, so I'd probably be hiding in my bathroom, which is, I think, at least as sad, if not more sad. You're like, this is depressing. So I'm hiding in my bathroom. And for that, I might get a card like the lover's reversed which in a business context tends to have a lot to do with our, our relationships. Not usually about a romantic relationship in business, though, hey, who knows? Depends who you work with. But it can be a lot about whether or not we're really able to let ourselves be seen and be visible and be vulnerable, all the things that are required for an intimate relationship. So if it's reverse, that might tell me like, oh, okay, like I, I'm kind of, I'm withdrawing, I'm pulling back, I'm heading into this launch with an energy of being afraid about being vulnerable. And I'm like, I'm putting on my armor or hiding in the bathroom or whatever that looks like for you. But then I could pull another card and say, okay, great. Well, who do my clients need me to be to help them make a decision during this launch? And I really like that kind of question because it gets me out of my own mind. It's like, who do I need to be to make a bunch of money? Which usually sends me right back into the bathroom. But instead, it's like, who do I need to be to help my potential customers decide whether or not I'm the right fit for them? And I can pull a card that has a completely different energy. And it's like, oh, okay, I can focus here. This is my map for this launch, is that I want to be this energy. And for me, a lot of the times what I get is a card called the Hierophant, which is a card about, there's a couple of different layers, but for our purposes, we'll say it's a card of being a spiritual teacher, of being someone who really balances kind of knowledge and spiritual practice. And I think of it a lot as being a card of being an authority figure and doing so with, I mean, ideally when it's in balance with grace and ethics and all of those things. So I'm like, okay, right. To help my customers make a decision, I need to send fully in the fact that I know what I'm doing. I'm really good at my job and I need to like stand in that place of power so they have a true reflection of who I am as they're making this choice. And something that simple, which is like, in this two cards, that could take you 30 seconds, maybe, can completely change your energy moving into your work. Are you reading me today? Am I? <laughs> it has happened. I'm like, I'm in the middle of a launch. Uh, these are the thoughts that have been coming up for me. And here you are, you're reading me with without the cards, but with the cards. I love it. Well, like we were talking about before, I don't need to, quote unquote, use my cards in the same way I used to. Right. Because I have that language internalized. Right. So, yes, maybe I am reading you a little bit. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but don't go, be, be the Hierophant. <laughs> don't be sorry. I love it. I'm like, yes, yes. This is the message that I needed to hear today, which tells me that somebody else that's listening needed to hear the exact same message. Someone else at home is like, I'm a theater geek who loved New Age books as a kid, and now I'm going to step into my power. <laughs> Come on down. The water's warm. We're out of the closet, and it's all good. <laughs> so that's an example of one way you can use tarot to really kind of shift your perspective. And that's almost more of a maybe a self-coaching kind of way of using it. But again, it's easier than just going around in your head over and over and over again, trying to talk yourself out of some story. Instead, we're like, look, here's the facts. 
on paper. <laughs> and it makes it a lot easier to make those changes. Totally. I love that, that this is not just externally with clients, but internally, because I'm a really firm believer in I don't do anything or give anything to my clients that I don't do myself, that I don't practice. And so it's beautiful that you put it into all areas of your business. And let's talk a bit for a moment about, you've mentioned that you're a witch. Mm-hmm. Describe that to me. What does that mean to you? Because it can have, it has so many different meanings depending on who you speak to. So I want to hear from you what that means. All right. So I kind of have two levels of this. The first is I'm going to be, here is my more broad definition of a witch. And for me, this is somebody who works with the wider world. I work within a more animistic uh, framework. So that's the belief that everything has a spirit, even like my mason jar here would have a spirit, right? Everything has some level of spirit that we can engage with, that we work with the wider world to create change. And I think that for me is a really important part of understanding what witchcraft really is at the core, which is about creating change. On my deeper level, I'm currently doing deeper training into what's called traditional witchcraft, which is a British Isles lineage that is a little bit more, if you think of like more traditional witches, is probably more what comes up, (laughs) Um, but is really uh, rooted in spirit work. So I work a lot with spirits, whether that is, I mean, first of all, develop relationship, right? It's extremely relational, but to learn things and again, to create change, to do spells, to do magic, to work with the world, to shift potential outcomes. How do you see that as different from, say, a light worker or a spiritualist or any of these other terms? There's a few things. First of all, which, even though it's definitely a word that is having like a resurgence, still has this like dark underbelly to it. I think even though um, it's being a little light washed, if you will, which is fine. I am like super happy for people to use the words that they love to describe themselves. But, you know, light worker or spiritualist, which is also, you know, very like early 1900s kind of like specific, you know, view and like way of working with spirits, especially with the dead, which is a little bit darker, which is a little bit like underneath. And when we look at witchcraft kind of traditionally, what we see is that this is something usually that's happening alongside more mainstream activities. It's like people would like go to church and then come home and like do some witchcraft to get what they want. And there's this element of it almost being, almost being selfish, and that's a funny word because we like culturally become very like against anything that's selfish, right? Everything has to be selfless. We always have to be giving back, like wanting things for ourselves is bad. And witchcraft is really more about liberation overall, mm. which also means that we get to liberate ourselves from the dogmas of believing that like you wanting something is bad. So I think I'm kind of like going in circles, but my teacher, um, Ren Zatopek, would say that you know, witchcraft is, especially traditional craft, is kind of put on a compass of spiritual liberation. And that is a tricky, messy, confusing, kind of like really beautiful, but also really like complicated way to work through the world. Well, what's interesting to me about that is that is that that's not that different from the yogis. Mm-mm. There's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of overlap here because yogis would not say that something is selfish or selfless. That's creating duality, right? And we're we're merging beyond duality to liberation, to moksha, to enlightenment, to whatever it is that you want to call that. So I, of course, of course, of course we, of course we're like, you know, sister pals here, right? Like, of course, that makes sense to me. No, I think what I've studied, I'm super passionate about like religious history across the board. I like, I love, I think in my next life, I'm going to go and be like a, like a religious studies scholar, maybe in this life when I get, if I get bored with this. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think that we see, I mean, that especially, yes, with like 
with yogis, and I know I think you and I have talked about this before, actually, that there's a real overlap there with what traditional witchcraft looks like. Yeah. And I think it, it is interesting because a lot of even things like like being a light worker doesn't necessarily mean that you ascribe to a certain cosmology, essentially, right? Which I mean, and you may, but that word does not necessarily like suggest a worldview that is as fully fleshed out as like what you and I are talking about. Yeah, and I think that's why I have never self-identified as a light worker. People call me a light worker, but I have never self-identified as a light worker. And I think part of that is because of what you're talking about, that it's a little more defined for me than that. One of the things that I love to think about, I'm really kind of obsessed with beliefs, (laughs) like from like a, a, a neuroscience standpoint, but also from a spiritual standpoint. And one of the things that reminds me a little bit of some of the deeper trainings that I've done in some like Eastern religious beliefs, but that we see a lot in traditional witchcraft is this idea of really adopting beliefs, choosing beliefs, choosing Mm -hmm. a system to work within. And that, you know, and I mean, all the world's great religions have a cosmology that's real. I mean, whether you agree with it or not, it's like, it's really like very thorough. And the reality is that's available to us through these other lenses as well. But some of the terms that are thrown around don't necessarily like suggest that. And that's why I like the word witch, because I'm like, which has a point of view. <laughs> like, I am choosing to engage with the world in a certain way. Well, not only does it have a point of view, it has a very strong point of view. Yes. And it has a long lineage. Yes. Which is another reason why I, I, I self-identify as a yogi, because it, it also has a strong point of view. And I'm not talking about Western gym yoga. That's different than being a yogi. Those are two very different things, right? But it has a strong point of view as a yogi, and it also has a very strong lineage. This is passed down for generations from teacher to student, student to teacher, teacher to student, and so on and so on and so on, just like how you work with a teacher, I work with a a teacher, a guru, in that lineage. Yeah, I mean, I am very personally just super interested in gnosis and what we can kind of uncover in ourselves without that, but I find more and more that so many of the questions I have, if not are answered, because I think that's strong, but are framed well by lineage and by conscious choosing, right? So I'm saying like by consciously choosing to work within a belief system or work within a structure that the framing of it helps us to go deeper, right? And we can stay aware of the frame, like aware of the systems that we're working within and see maybe their limitations or the places where they don't quite go where we want or places where we disagree, but that that frame allows us to explore more deeply. I mean, in some ways, that's exactly the same thing with tarot. Tarot, I mean, I, I think of it as like being a story of human experience, but it's still a frame, right? It's, it's, it's a set frame that we're using. And that just, it offers a lot of freedom to explore and go a little bit deeper um, in ways that I've found that just kind of, for me personally, like flailing about by myself yeah. did not get me there. <laughs> well, for me, it didn't, I, it didn't get me there, wherever there was, right? It didn't get me there because it didn't have a structure. And more than that, it didn't have a practice. And spirituality to me is a practice that becomes a way of being. But you can't become the way of being by flitting around and floating around and just lost in space. Yeah. I know for me, it was really valuable to have, especially in my early sobriety, which was just like very much this rebirth moment for me. I was like, oh, who are we? Interesting. (laughs) We haven't like felt a feeling in 10 years. Like, who is this chick? It was very freeing to have that experience of just like, of just being a blob, being a spiritual blob and being like, 
ooh, crystals. Ooh, I'm going to be an herbalist. Ooh, I'm going to read about this and that. And I still, I mean, I'm a voracious knowledge hound, so I'm still like, yes, feed me all the info. Yeah. But in the past couple of years in particular, getting more serious about, I think it is, it's like this active engagement that comes when you have a practice and you have a framework you're working with. And I'm kind of curious, I'd like to talk about this. So I think part of why I still kind of bounce up against that, why I have resistance, is because it almost becomes, dare I say, boring. Yeah. And I think when we see, like, especially folks who are interested in, like, using the word witch or light worker and kind of very much, like, dipping their toes in the water, like an Instagram land, there's a lot of excitement there because there isn't a lot of consequence. You can use these words, you can you can use these tools without having the framework that holds you accountable for whether or not you're doing it. Yeah. And I mean, maybe boredom isn't the right word, but there, there's a balance of restriction and liberation. It, it is the right word because yes, you're going to go through periods of boredom with your practice. Yeah. And I've been there, let me tell you. And for a while I, I escaped, right? And then it was like, oh, no, 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 let's draw ourselves back in. And, and then it became more steady. Because what we're both doing in the energetic system is creating the stability. And with stability, you lose the highs, high highs, and the low, low lows. And consequently, it becomes, at times, damn boring. (laughs) Yep. And then you have to sit in that uncomfortability. And that's actually where the practice is, is sitting in uncomfortableness. Because it's really easy to draw, oh, let me go to crystals now. Let me go to this now. Let me go. And I'm not saying in terms of, like you were saying, knowledge. But I'm saying in terms of it, like, saving you or being a distraction for you or et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's, I love this idea of how do we, I mean, it's a big question today, Nick. Like, how do we pursue, like, liberation and, like, and whatever those end goals are within structure? It almost seems... You know, like it's the antithesis of it, but it's, it is, I think through those, like those boredom moments or this, and I, I can't believe I'm sitting here and being like, I'm a witch and I do magic and I get bored. Like whoever thought I like, really? <laughs> but it is, it's a practice. And when you do something over and over and over again, even if it has those moments of like elation and joy and those moments of like, yes, deep pain and suffering, the full experience overall, yeah, you're trending towards like boredom. <laughs> That's the reality. That's part of the process. That's part of the practice. That's what you're... Love it. That's it. That is what it, it is, what it is, as the kids say. I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm glad I'm not in the room that has my altar because I could almost like hear it like vibrating at me like, oh, you're bored? <laughs> Come here and we'll show you bored. I know the minute you say that, then everything, then chaos happens, right? Like you just set yourself right up. <laughs> My spirit friends are going to be like, oh, yeah, we'll show you bored. Exactly. I have no problem with that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I I love it. Well, I really, really enjoy you. Just know that. Mm -hmm. And I always love chatting with you. And I so appreciate you coming on and sharing all of your witchiness. (laughs) (laughs) Your knowledge of tarot, as well as just you being yourself. Any final words of wisdom for the folks out there about tarot, about being a witch, about a practice, all of the above? I mean, with any of these things, I think it is like, don't be afraid to practice, right? Especially with something like tarot, a lot of times I get this feeling that folks are, there's a little bit of like a fear, like what if I do it wrong? Or this kind of like self gatekeeping that happens with a tool like that. And I encourage you to just do what we talked about earlier to build that relationship because even if all you get out of it is 
the building of self-trust, knowing that you can actually come and sit and engage in the practice, that's worth it. Like it is worth it. That is so worth it. I mean, that is building the relationship with the self is everything. Yep. And on that note, thank you so much. And where can people find you before I, I let you go? Oh, coming out on the internet with me. I'm everywhere at Sarah M. Chapel. That's two P's and two L's. And uh, Instagram is my number one place. So come on down. We'll hang out. So definitely DM her, tweet her, all of those things to Sarah and let her know your big takeaway and meet you from this great episode. We went there today. I know. I was like, wow, we had a deep, like, meeting of the world conversation. I love it. Thank you. And I enjoyed it so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. If you enjoy this podcast, tell your friends. Please rate, write us a review, and subscribe so we can spread the word and other solopreneurs just like you can find us.